Thank you for tuning in to Leaders Lift, or thank you for tuning in to Gadgets for Families. And this is a bonus episode that's going to drop in both feeds. Now, I'm Greg Cunningham. I'm the host of Leaders Lift, and I'm also one of the co-hosts of Gadgets for Families. Today, I'm recording a little different episode, and it's from a very different place. For those of you watching on the YouTube channel, you can see that I'm sitting at a camp table, and I'm in our favorite campground. Now, so of course, for this bonus episode, I got to talk about camping, right? Now, because it's going to be a little different, I'm recording it out here outside. I have no idea what's going to get caught in the audio or the video, but hey, it's a bonus episode. So let's see how it goes. I mean, my glasses are all tinted. I've got shadows across my face, but I think it's going to work out all right. While both of the podcasts I work on have different topics, they do have one thing in common and that's helping people get more out of life. For Gadgets for Families, it's about getting more out of life through technology. For Leaders Lift, it's about personal or leadership development. And if you subscribe to either or both, and you should subscribe to both, you've heard me talk a lot about camping and biking. Now, those are two things that I do that help me feel like I'm getting more out of my life, and not just from a recreational standpoint, but they help me get more out of life in other areas as well. And I want to try and explain that just a bit during this episode. Now, I'm mostly going to focus on camping. And in an earlier episode of Leaser's Lift, I talked about ways to get into biking. And that was in episode 18. So if you're into camping, want to give it a try, or just want to see what camping might have to offer, stick around. If you want to hear just a couple of my fun camping stories, stick around to the post show. I'm going to do that right at the very end. I'll talk about skunks, squirrels, and getting stuck on a mountain. Or if you want to maybe get some ideas of how to evaluate your own hobbies, you know, how can your hobbies or things you enjoy doing that aren't work-related help you get more out of life, I think you're going to find some good insights, so stick around for this episode. Let me just give you a little bit of background. I remember a lot of time camping as a kid, not just for scouts, even though there, were a lot of, there was a lot of that for scouts, but I remember all kinds of family trips. My grandparents had a camp trailer. My parents had a small one as well. Easter campouts were usually spent in central Utah with my cousins. On those trips, I just roamed the area all day long. We don't do much of that in today's day and age. Now, this was long before cell phones kept track of our whereabouts and gave us directions, but I would just wander off and explore and just enjoy being free. Campouts with the grandparents were amazing as well. We would spend time playing card games as a family, sitting around the table in my grandparents' trailer. Lots of memories. It's long enough that I used to, we used to swap out a battery so we could have light. One battery would run out, and we would just put on another one. So, and we would use a single propane lantern in my parents' trailer to keep us warm. Warm. So that was a lot of fun, too. One time we were at a campground, I even fell backwards into a fire. I was wearing my favorite windbreaker. It was bright red until my great-grandfather pulled me out of the fire. But even something like that didn't do anything to make me want to stop camping. When you're a kid, you don't worry about a whole lot except having fun, and that's exactly what we did. Now, when I started scouting, camping did take on a little bit different feel. There was still plenty of fun, and I've talked about some of our escapades as a scout troop. But as a scout, you were also expected to start doing some of the things my parents always took care of. Cooking, starting a fire, pitching a tent, knife safety, citizenship, etc. Even with all of that mixed in, camping was still amazing. I told the story about trust falls at scout camp in episode 6 of Leaders Lift if you want to hear 
a story about learning lessons at scout camp and scaring the daylights out of camp leaders. Now, if anything, learning about how to camp made it even better. And that hasn't changed as I've moved on to a different kind of camping. As I got into high school, the camping trip slowed down. We were just too busy. We relocated part of the way through high school, but we still did just enough to keep the interest there. When my wife and I got married, one of the things that happened in our local town was that instead of buying gifts, people would just put money in an account at the local hardware store. Now, most everything we got with those funds was related to camping, because she had grown up camping as well. And before we moved to Houston, we would camp a few times a year. Sometimes it was with big groups of family, and other times something much smaller. So we just kind of kept it going. But we really didn't start camping consistently until we moved to Houston, and I was asked to be Scoutmaster. Now, back at that time, Scoutmaster was a pretty big commitment, especially in a troop sponsored by our church. You had responsibility for their scouting, but also their spiritual development. Time commitment was very large, and I still had a young family. I was more than willing to serve, but I had one request, and that was to be able to take my family with me on the camping trips. Leadership agreed, and that started a three-year journey that just strengthened my love of camping and for my family, even those that complained about it as we were camping. And I've learned a ton of other lessons leading scouts that I think I'll probably just have to cover in another episode, but definitely learned a lot and really learned to enjoy camping. Now, my family went on most of our monthly camping trips. We gradually ended up getting all the gear we needed, and I'll talk about gear and preparing for camping a little bit in this episode, but that could take up several episodes in and of itself. We actually got to the point where we could pack up and be on the road within an hour of deciding we wanted to camp. Since we were in Texas and away from family, we would spend every Thanksgiving camping. We would do traditional Thanksgiving dinner the Sunday before, and we would leave on Wednesday and camp through Saturday. It was fantastic. Now, eventually, I was released as Scoutmaster, but we continued to camp the rest of that time we were in Houston, except in July and August when you don't want to be in a tent in the Houston area. It is just not a good idea. For today's story time, I thought I'd share a camping story that will help you understand why I'm not a fan of cold weather, and definitely not camping in cold weather, and a story that it's also a story that ties into several of the lessons about camping I'm going to share at the end of this. Shortly after I returned from my church mission, I was asked to help a buddy of mine run the rifle range at a winter scout camp. It had been a very long time since I'd camped in cold weather, and I didn't have the gear for it. He reassured me that another of the leaders had a heater that we could use in the tent and we should be just fine. Well, I should have said no, but I didn't. It was camping. The camp was up at a popular lake in northern Utah. I had been there several times, but never in the winter. When we turned off the road, I saw a bunch of tents set up in what is normally a parking lot for cars that don't want to drive clear up to the lake. I thought, there's no way that the scouts and their leaders had decided to set up camp there. I was wrong. Now, let me explain why this is a bad idea. This was a cold year, and we had gotten plenty of snow. Well, that particular area where they decided to set up camp had been plowed and cleared, quote-unquote. What that means for dirt roads is that the snow plows had pushed as much snow as they could off the parking area. There was no dirt showing, but because of the way it had snowed and melted and frozen, and snowed and melted and frozen and been plowed, and I'll repeat all that cycle, It resulted in about, I don't know, a foot, two feet, something like that, of snow and ice packed on top of the ground. I was thinking how grateful I was that we were going to have a tent that had a heater. Well, 
that didn't work out either. We got our tent set up and laid out our sleeping bags. I think my bag was a three-season bag and was rated to keep me warm as long as the temperature stayed above freezing. As we started up the heater, it was designed to be used in a tent. It really could. Something was wrong with it. It was putting off heat, but we almost all immediately started getting headaches and nauseous from the fumes. It wasn't burning cleanly, and we determined that there was no way we could keep it safely running during the night. Great. So here I am lying on a small sleeping pad on top of a tent, which is set on two feet of frozen snow and ice. I'm wearing every layers of clothes I have, and I'm curled up in a ball in a sleeping bag designed for 32 degrees Fahrenheit or higher. Want to guess how cold it was outside? Well, the low temperature that night ended up being 21 degrees below zero. Not below freezing, below zero. So, you know, only a 53 degree difference between my bag and the actual temperature. No big deal. Well, I didn't stay in the bag very long. I realized I was an adult. I didn't have to. I got up, went out. Most of the scouts were huddled, huddled around fires trying to stay warm. I tried that, but I was already so cold that it was very little relief. It was about midnight when I realized that as an adult, not a scout, I wasn't in charge, and I had a vehicle right next to the tent that had a heater. So I got in, turned it on, cranked up the heater. Once I warmed up, I laid the seat back and went to sleep. And at some point during the night, the other leader, you know the one that brought the heater that said we'd be fine? Well, he ended up in my passenger seat. Now, as if that wasn't bad enough, when we got up the next morning, the leaders that were supposed to bring the rifles for the range, well, they didn't make it. So by about 9 a.m. that morning, I was on the road back home. So just to recap, it was 21 degrees below zero. I was forced to sleep in my vehicle to not freeze, and the whole reason we went to the camp never happened. So if that doesn't turn you off to camping in cold weather, well, something just might be wrong with you. All right, so there's a story, and I'll tie into the lessons that, that has things about being prepared and having the right gear and several of those kinds of things. But what I'm hoping that you'll get out of this episode is a desire to look at some of your hobbies or things you've been considering to do and see how they fit in with your personality style and with what you want out of life. And how can they help you get more out of life? Now, I'm not saying that everything you do needs to align with those things. I mean, I have no desires to be an esports person, but yet I play video games. So sometimes we can do things just for fun. And in fact, we need some of that kind of stuff. But if you can find something that you enjoy doing that helps you dial it back and recharge your batteries and helps you move down the path to your most potential, there is some real magic that can happen. And that's what's happened with me for camping and for biking. So let me share some of the reasons that I camp, and you can either relate them to camping or even apply them to other hobbies you may have. Before I go into my reasons, I actually asked my wife why she likes to camp. And here are some of her answers that you, find, you might find resonate with you. So one for her is less distractions. And actually, we, we were just talking about this. We were, I was down showering at the, the campground showers, and when I came out, she was just getting down there, and she says, yeah, I just got distracted like I do at home. I found this to do and then this to do. But overall, she says it's less distractions. She doesn't get distracted by things going on around her. There's always something to be done around the house, you know, especially with the grandkids living with us. And up here, there's just less of that. So she can let herself sit back and relax a bit more and not see something that needs to be done because that's what she is. I figured this out when we were talking just the other day. She's a problem solver. 
maybe not as chronic of a problem solver as I am, and we try and solve different kinds of problems. But she says that if she sees something with the house or the kids that needs to be done, she just feels a need to step in and do it, even if it's not her responsibility. So I'm the one trying to get over being a chronic problem solver, but she has some of those same tendencies. But here when we camp, there's just not that much to do of the kinds of things that she would try and tackle. She also feels like when we camp, she can actually take more time for herself. So something that's not kid-related. She doesn't have to watch the shows the kid watch, kids watch. She doesn't feel like she has to watch a show with me. She can just put her headphones in and watch something on her iPad while we're sitting in the hammock. So that's great because I don't think she gets enough of that time. And we're up here on vacation right now because she's about to go back to school, and that's all going to change again. Then the other thing she did mention is that she camps different when we have the kids versus when we don't. I mean, this week uh, has all been about relaxing and trying to recharge her batteries and mine before we dive back into school and everything that's going on. But one of the reasons she likes to take the grandkids and one of the reasons we took our kids with us when they were younger was it pulls them away from TV and electronics. For the most part, I'm not saying we outlaw electronics when we go camping and they do bring their iPads with them. But generally, they're only watching their iPads at night when they're trying to get ready to go to sleep. Because up here, or anywhere that we camp, really, there's just more things to do. And our grandkids, they like to play in the dirt. Their favorite thing to do is, if there's water anywhere close to the campground, is to throw rocks in the water. And for them, this is about building memories, memories that they can have. And it's interesting that their mom really resisted going camping with us when we were in Houston. She just didn't seem to like to go, but now she really enjoys going camping and is trying to figure out how she can get set up to go camping with her kids as well. And then the last thing is they insist on going camping. So on this trip, it is just us, and a few times when we've talked to them, they have not been thrilled that we're up here camping, and they're not. So you know, those are some of the reasons that Karen likes to camp and some of the reasons why we take the kids camping. Now, why I camp? So unlike a lot of folks that really love the RV community, they like to travel constantly, meet new people, do something different every week or day, be in a different campground. That's not me. So a few years ago when I started researching RVs, I thought maybe I would enjoy that. But over those last couple of years, as I've gone out camping more and researched this and followed a bunch of folks on YouTube, I realized that those things may actually make me want to not camp. I like more structure or routine. I don't want things to be completely different every single day. I like a little variety, but I definitely need my introvert time. And so, you know, going out and meeting everybody at a new campground or any of those kinds of things, that's just not going to be my style. Or having to plan out, you know, travel day every single week and traveling, you know, three or 400 miles every week to go to a new campground, that's just not going to be my thing, at least not full time, maybe over a summer or something like that. And so that's not me. While some of the folks I follow on YouTube, they're at a different campground every time they release an episode, we probably spend close to two-thirds of our nights camping in the same two campgrounds. So anyway, just the difference there. So that's one of, you know, if you think I'm going to camp because I want all those things that a lot of the full-time RVers do, that's not why I want to camp. One of the main reasons I camp is that I notice that when I'm doing so regularly, this is probably the biggest reason, I find it easier to deal with life in general. During my time in Houston, my stress was just as high as any other time in life. But those monthly camping trips really made a difference. 
The camping itself was great. Even a single night with the scout troop, that was awesome. But there was more to it than that. As a troop, we were almost always talking about or planning the next trip. And since my family went along, they were included as well. So camping was on my mind a ton. Now, last year, we camped around 70 nights. And so that was the same thing. We were almost always planning the next camping trip. In fact, the grandkids spent the whole camping season counting down how many sleeps until the next trip. Now, that's probably the biggest reason is it just helps me. I've learned that it just helps me deal with life better um, than what I do without it. So which is one of the reasons why winters are a little bit tougher for me. So here are some other reasons. This is a little more list list mode and a little less explanation where I think insights might help you. So when I camp, I bike. When I, I do bike at home, but it's not the same as when I get out. In fact, on this trip, I've gone on some bike rides and I've realized I haven't been training on my regular bike at home nearly as much because it's just not the same. And I have a tendency to grab the e-bike instead of the regular bike and get some training in when I'm at home. But also here, I get to see scenery that I can't see from my car. I've posted a bunch of pics on Instagram, including the day that I'm recording this episode, from some of my favorite trails. So it actually means that I bike more, both time-wise and miles, than I ever would at home. So it's good exercise. It burns endorphins, helps me be healthier. So all of those kinds of benefits that I get. And I just love doing it, especially when I'm out camping. Now, dialing it back. There is work to camping. Don't get me wrong. On the days we either travel to or from a campsite, I don't plan on doing much more than set up or break down camp and drive. In fact, that's really the day that I I don't go on bike rides or I don't try and get in a whole bunch of exercise. But other than that, camping for me really helps me dial it back. Most of the time we camp, we take a step back from normal life. Now, there are times when I go to a campground knowing that I'm going to work the whole time that I'm there. And that's, I'll talk about that here in a minute. While there are cities and stuff close to where we camp, our truck rarely leaves the campsite. In fact, where we are now, if we run into town, it may be for a snack or something. And a lot of times we actually just ride the e-bikes. On one of our anniversary trips, we actually did go to specifically explore the area. I'll, I'll share some of that kind of stuff either in the post show or in another episode. It was a good experience, but if I got to choose between our normal campground and that one, I'd choose the normal one almost every time, even though we've spent dozens and dozens of nights in this same area. I also spend a lot of time sitting in my hammock, reading, watching videos, or playing games. There's a little bit of guilt there to not be doing something, but when I'm camping, I can push that aside easier than when I'm at home. Last year on most of our trips, I did still have to work. In fact, some of the trips I worked almost the whole time, but it still seems to be different. First, it's a different environment. I mean, look at this background if you're watching the YouTube video. That's very different than sitting in my office at home. I've actually found that I'm more productive in, these, in the camping environment for whatever reason. Either it's because I focus and I want to get done. Or I don't know what it is, but I'm actually much more productive. And then second, working camping, once the work is done or even during breaks, there are camping activities, very different things from when I'm home. With my mom's cancer battle last year, I found myself spending a lot of time at the campground in her little town. Sometimes the kids were there and sometimes it was just me. When I had a break in between things, I could go walk along the river. I could go up and see my mom. When I got done for the day, it was a five-minute e-bike ride to my mom's. 
when the kids were there, I could go out on my breaks and let them throw rocks in the river or watch them play in the splash pad. I mean, like I said, even right now, I'm just sitting outside. I'm doing work. Yeah, but does it feel like it? Not really. So I don't know if I can fully explain that, but that's the way it is for me. I'm just more productive, and it just seems to change my mindset. Now, related to dialing it back, the other thing that camping does is it helps me recharge. In fact, I went on a seven-plus-mile bike ride this morning that is not a street ride. Trust me, it's definitely on the hills and the mountains around here. And I'm physically very tired. But mentally, I'm like, I could do that every single day. And I just have more mental energy and I can feel like I can get more done. And so camping and then biking associated with it, this combination, these are probably one of the top two or three ways that I refill my energy well. I don't know that I found anything recreation-wise that even comes close to refilling that well like camping does. Now, some other benefits I get from camping. And remember, this isn't just about camping. This is about you figuring out, do any of these things apply to your hobbies, right, and help you get more out of life? So some other benefits I get from camping are learning new things. There's always something to learn about camping. Creating memories with or without the grandkids. Enjoying tech. So for Gadgets for Families listeners, you know that I love my tech and I have plenty of it. But a lot of the time, I just want to throw it out the window because I'm using it to do something like my job and if it doesn't work right then it's frustrating well when i camp i can embrace the fun side of tech gaming experimenting with different things even doing research things i have a much harder time justifying when i'm at home and expected to be productive and then the other one i would say here is simplification while not everyone may see camping this way especially if you don't know how or don't have the right gear may not see it as simpler than regular life. For me, life and problems slow down a ton when I'm camping. Trailers have issues. There's almost always something I need to fiddle with or fix on the trailer, even though it's not very old. But when I have a drippy plumbing connection, I can fix it much easier than tearing out a wall and trying to fix it in a house. And then there's also just less to maintain and clean and Stuff like that, so the chores don't pile up as much. I mean, yes, it's, you know, 200 square feet, if that, of space. So you definitely want to enjoy being outside like I am right now. Um, But overall, it's just less. So it seems like life is just so much simpler. And maybe that's why I'm more productive. I don't get as distracted or I don't have other things pulling me off track. And then last but not least, I just enjoy it. And I don't know that I need to explain it, right? When one trip ends, I'm automatically looking to when we can go on the next one. In fact, come winter, when I have to winterize my trailer, it's a very, very sad day. Because I know that that means I'm not going to be taking it out and using it for, I don't know, last year it was Thanksgiving clear till March. So that I didn't take the trailer out. So I just like it. And how many things... In your life, can you say that about? Do you have things that you just enjoy, that you just like? Projects, team meetings, working with other people, your job. I don't know, but think about that. That may be the biggest thing to get out of this, or at least the first thing to get out of this is, are there things that I just like, that I look forward to doing? And when one period of that ends, am I automatically looking forward to the next one? And if you found a job that fits into that, great for you. But a lot of us are going to find jobs that we enjoy, but it's not going to be like that. And we're going to want things like hobbies. For me, it's camping or biking that help fill that in. Okay, so 
how does this tie back into you getting the most out of life? Well, if it's piqued your interest in camping, rock on. But if not, that's fine too. But the biggest thing to do is to take a look at your hobbies or your free time or how you'd like to spend your free time and see if they're really helping you get more out of life. It could be in some of the ways that I've mentioned above or something completely different. And if they aren't, maybe it's time for you to look to find something else to do. Really, what I want camping to do for me is to be that thing that I look forward to, that thing that helps me recharge, that thing that helps me reset so that I can go back and do all of the things that I need to do, right? So you've heard the adage that, you know, we work for a living or people that like to work to live or live to work, whatever it may be. For me, I want to camp or bike or do some other things that help me get more out of life that also mentally fill my well so that I can go do the things that I have to do, not because I have to do them or I want to do them like work and earn money and put food on the table and all those kinds of things, but so that I can turn around and enjoy those things again. So I camp to refill the well so that I have more energy to go out and do a good job so that eventually I can camp again. And that's kind of the cycle that helps me continue to focus and keep pushing forward. So I hope that you can find something like that in your life. What are the things that you just absolutely look forward to that you get done with and you think, I can't wait until the next one? Is that, you know, running a 5K and you want to train for the next one or a marathon or whatever the case may be? Is that scrapbooking night with a bunch of friends? Is that playing basketball with the guys at the gym? Whatever it is, what are some of those recreational or fun things that help refill your well, that drive you forward so that you can go on and focus on all the other things that you need to be focused on? Okay. I hope that's useful. And now let's go in and talk a little more about camping and how you could get into camping if this has piqued your interest. Now, the first thing I will tell you if you want to get into camping because you think that may be something that helps you refill your well or helps you get more out of life, start super simple. Okay, Don't try and go crazy. Don't plan a, if you've never camped before, do not go plan to hike the Appalachian Trail or a month of backpacking in Yosemite, you know, it's just probably not going to go the way it needs to. You need to start simple. You need to do some research. You know, think about what you want to do. So campgrounds like the one that I'm staying in, a lot of them have tent sites because you're probably not going to go out and just buy a trailer. Uh, I wouldn't recommend that. A lot of people did that during COVID. But a lot of these campgrounds have these tent sites where you have something that you can plug into so you can charge your phone or whatever the case may be. Also have water. And then there's showers and bathrooms located in the campground. And so that's actually an excellent way to start. And a lot of people call that uh, car camping. So you're going to be able to fit everything in your car and pull up to a campsite and be good to go. So do some research. You know, Figure out if there's a place close to you where you can do that. And then Understand where you're going, what the weather will be like, what you want to do while you're there, and check things like fire restrictions and some of those kinds of things. So recently, my youngest son, after they graduated, they decided they wanted to go on a three-day camping trip. And they actually came up to this campground because he was asking, hey, where can we go that we're close to some water so that we could take the kayaks out on the water? And so they ended up coming up here, and it's the first camping trip he's been on uh, without a scout leader or without us. And it was just him and two or three of his buddies. And it went really well, you know. Um, they did their research. They knew what the weather was going to be like. He took our gear because we still have a bunch of that tent camping stuff. And so it was great for them. So, But you want to understand 
that. And so that brings me to another kind of important thing is I've heard of a lot of people that have gone camping and just had a horrible experience. And a lot of times it's because they just don't have the right gear. And I'm not saying you need to go out and buy a whole bunch of stuff, but you want to at least be aware of what you're getting into. And a lot of times you're going to have friends or, you know, somebody around a church or something that you could borrow some of these things from. But you want to have the right gear. Remember my story about camping in the 21 below zero weather? I didn't have the right gear. Now, if I had had a sleeping bag that was rated for that kind of extreme cold camping, it would have been much, much different. Right. If I hadn't accounted on them having the heater in the trailer, I might have taken some different things to get me up off the ice. You know, just having the right gear makes a huge difference. And so you're going to want something to get you out of the elements, whether that be rain or wind or whatever. And you can just get a tent to do that. Now, I have bought some really, really expensive tents in my life. And I've also bought a bunch of tents at Walmart. We have a tent at home right now, and it's the one that Wyatt took on that camping trip with him that just came from Walmart, and it doesn't need to be expensive. But if you're going to borrow a tent or if you're going to buy a tent, make sure you know how to set it up, right? Follow the instructions because if the wind comes and blows it over, we were in a campground uh, in June, and um, all of a sudden I look out uh, across the street, and their big windstorm came up, and somebody's tent is rolling down the road. So you want to be able to set it up, but have that tent. If you're going to be sleeping in good weather, you don't need to worry about a big sleeping bag, you know, uh, something to sleep in and maybe a blanket to put over if it does get cool at night. Something like that would be just fine. Again, you're car camping, so you don't need to hike this stuff in. Um, If you're not used to sleeping on the ground, maybe think about taking a couple extra blankets or even a sleeping pad, borrow something like that to do that. But Know where you're going and know what the things you care about the most. And so I thought it was funny that with Wyatt's camping trip, he said if he hadn't brought gear, that they wouldn't have had anything. Because every time he pulled something out, his buddies were saying, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Oh, yeah, it's a good idea to have a stove to cook our food on. So, but you can get simple one burner stoves or, like I said, you can borrow that kind of stuff. But do some research. And if you're going to go on a camping trip and you've never done it before, happy to give you some tips and tricks. Like I said, when we were in Texas, pretty much everything we had, we had it organized so we could pack and be on the road in an hour. But we acquired that stuff over time, and we acquired some nice stuff because we were camping so much. So if you start simple and decide, I really enjoy this, then great. Start building that up. Use big black and yellow tubs to organize stuff in. Keep your tents clean and dry. Big thing. Keep all your gear dry. You know, that's the kind of stuff that you want to do to, to have a much better experience camping. Now, if you already know that tent camping is not for you, then maybe look into renting an RV. Don't just go out and buy one. If you've never gone camping before and you think you're going to go out and spend 30, 40, 50, much higher on an RV of some kind, it's probably not a good idea. But you can rent them. I had some friends that I worked with that just rented a super simple motorhome to be able to test it out and see how much they enjoyed it. And they had some issues with it, of course, but they came home thinking, yeah, now we want to buy something because we know we really, really enjoyed this. So there are other ways to do that. RV across America, you know, a few others like that. So start simple, go out on that single night trip, come to a campground like this where you've got power to plug in your phone. You don't have to worry about rationing your battery for so long or taking portable batteries where you've got water and don't have to worry about taking the water in and where five minutes, if you need to, you can drive in and grab something 
that you forgot. One of the other fun parts about camping is just eating really good food, whether you cook that in a Dutch oven or over coals or over wood or you have a camp stove. We tend to cook just a little bit differently, less so with the trailer, but definitely when we were tent camping, we tend to cook differently. Tinfoil dinners are a staple, and if you're just going for one night, you can actually prepare those tinfoil dinners before you leave, put them in the cooler, take them with you. When you get there, you set up the coals once they're ready, you throw them on, and dinner's ready to go. No prep required. So, again, do some research, but start simple and see if it develops into something that you love as much as I do. Now, if I got you thinking that you want to learn more about camping, particularly in an RV, I can help push you down the rabbit hole. I'm happy to help out. Send me, use the feedback form on my website. I'll give you any tips that I have, anything I know be out there. And let me know if there's something you want me to cover in another bonus episode too. But I actually follow a few RVers that uh, I really enjoy. So much of my YouTube subscription list is either RVers and mountain bikers. So there's a lot of both of that. And some of these folks live in their RVs full time and some are only weekend campers. If you want to get started learning about RVs, let me recommend two or three channels for for you to do. One's a family living and traveling full-time in their RV. Another is a couple doing the same thing, but in a kind of a different way. And another from a family that does live full-time, but the focus of their channel is to educate on RVs, accessories, gadgets, tools, repairs, etc. So the first one is Less Junk, More Journey. You can just search for these on YouTube. It's a family of four that have been living full-time in an RV for several years. In fact, when they started, they were a family of three. And I like how they manage their channel as they mix in a lot of practical, practical aspects of living in an RV with their primary focus, which is their adventures. They want less junk and they want more journey, more adventures. And they were in Baja, California over the winter, you know, chasing 70 is one of their mottos. Um, so... It was great. I really enjoy it. And they've got a lot of stuff going on. So that one's a great mix of what it's like to travel full-time, manage your family, see their adventures, but, but then also some of the more practical aspects of, of uh, RVing. Now, the second one is actually the first channel I subscribe to, which is called All About RVs. Now, this is another family that lives in their RV full-time. But what I like about this channel is there's a little bit of their adventures mixed in. But it's more about the trailer itself, repairs, upgrades, gears, any of those kinds of things. They test this kind of stuff out. They figure out what works for them, what doesn't. Um, so I've learned a ton from that channel, and I have a bunch of their videos saved for future reference. And then the third channel is called Wild RV Life. And this is a couple that lives full-time in their RV. The wife has a full-time job, um, but they post about once a week. And their videos are a combination of adventures, but also DIY, advice, etc. They don't go to campgrounds as much, where that first family of four spends a lot of their time in campgrounds, and a lot of people do. They actually do what's called boondocking, which means they're places where they don't have power, water, and sewer, and all of that kind of stuff. So they're out on their own on like BLM land or something like that. But they also spent part of the winter in Mexico and it was super interesting. And they actually just had to purchase a new RV because their first one was a used one and just wasn't cutting it. It had some major issues, but that's a great one. And that one's called Wild RV Life. I really enjoy that one as well. Now, just as a quick bonus, if you're interested in just seeing these RVs, because sometimes when you say trailer camping, people have, you know, this image of um, Robin Williams 
uh, driving that RV, that rented motorhome, giant motorhome of his or something like that. And that's really not the case with most of this. So if you want to learn more about the actual vehicles themselves, the huge variety they have, I'd recommend Josh the RV Nerd. Now, he's out of the Midwest. He's a works for a dealership. Um, there are a bunch of dealers that publish video content, but I like his style. He's kind of funny. He also mixes in industry news tips and stuff like that. So again, that one's Josh the RV Nerd. Now, if those have piqued your interest, but maybe you're not quite your style, reach out to me. I can share some other options. I have a whole list. Trust me, I have several others that I could recommend to you. Well, that's about it for this bonus episode. While camping is my thing, it may not be yours, and that's absolutely fine. What I would hope is that each and every one of you can find a hobby or something that is more fun that really does enable you to get more out of life. I'll probably never make a, a living RVing like some of the YouTubers I recommended, and I don't think I want that either. While I would like to live full-time in an RV, I don't want to make camping itself my job. I want that to be my outlet that enables me to do better at whatever my actual job really is so that I can make camping that fun part of my life. Same thing with biking. So hopefully this will help you see how I get more out of life through one of my hobbies and help you find something that you can as well. Now, if you're interested in more episodes like this, let me know. This is an experiment, right? Dropping it in both feeds. I've got tons of other camping topics, tips, tricks, gears. Uh, I know my co-host on Gadgets for Families is hoping I'll start talking about some of that kind of stuff. But I didn't want to make this into a multi-hour episode, and I wanted it to tie into that whole theme of getting more out of life. So if you want more of that, let me know, and I'll see if I can put together some other bonus episodes. And if you want to hear two or three fun camping stories, Stick around for the post show. And thanks for sticking around to the end. And until next time, find a way to help someone, even if it's just yourself, get more out of life through something that they or you really love doing. Thanks again. All right, so if you've stuck around for this, those on Gadgets for Families know that we do a post show where we kind of go deeper. But uh, for Leaders Lift, I don't do a lot of post show. So but today, I'd just like to share two, three, maybe four stories. We'll see how long they go. Uh, camping stories that I had, and um, we'll just see how that goes. So um, uh, camping in Texas, scout camps in Texas was a very interesting thing. We always tried to go as early in the season as we could because it's just crazy hot. Even in June, you're already starting to get super, super hot. And those camps actually provide the tents for you, but they're those big, old army tents that are green canvas. They're great because the wind doesn't bother them. The rain and Texas rain, not talking about Utah rain, but Texas rain won't get into them. And they're always up on platforms, so they're up off the ground. Super, super nice. But if you close those tents, boy, can you get hot. So we were at scout camp one year, and luckily the two uh, leaders, myself and my assistant scoutmaster. We both got our own tent. That didn't always happen. Sometimes we used to have to share tents, which is fine. There are plenty of room in them. But um, we both had our own tents, and mine was on the very end of the row of tents, and we were right down the trail, right off the trail that went down onto the lake, which was awesome. We actually sent up, set up the easy up, and we're all set and prepared to um, you know, spend all our time just sitting in hammocks. That's what scout leaders in Texas did. How many naps you could get in, that was the biggest challenge. Um, but that was fantastic. But, uh, what I didn't realize is that because we were so close to the path, animals really like to go down through. And so, you know, not a big deal, but the first night I was there at this camp, 
I was sleeping and my cot, which is, you know, a couple of feet off the ground. And all of a sudden I hear thump, 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 and then silence and nothing. And I thought, okay, what just kind of wandered through my, through my tent. And, um, I went back to sleep and, but then the next night I heard it start to go thump, thump, thump. And I woke up and turned my head quickly enough to see a black and white bushy tail go running through my tent, which meant there was a skunk inside my tent. Now, remember, you keep the flaps open on these tents because if you don't, there is no airflow and you are just going to roast. So, yeah, the skunk was coming in and running right through, and boy, did I kind of freak out. It's the middle of the night, right? You're not awake. And so I freaked out, and I was hollering at my assistant scoutmaster because I didn't dare look over the side because the last thing I wanted to do was peek over my cot and have a skunk spray me right in the face. And so I was hollering at my assistant scoutmaster who was in the tent next door and finally got him to wake up and look underneath my cot to see if there was any more skunk in my tent. And no, there wasn't. But uh, So those are some of the fun things that happen. You just have to be prepared. We didn't keep food in our tents because that's a bad idea. Um, you know, this wasn't bear country, so we didn't have to throw it up in a tree. But yeah, skunk running through the tent. All right, another story that we have. This one's from when I was much, much younger. I think I was 12 or 14 years old, somewhere in that range. And my grandpa and I had gone up to, up on top of a mountain to a, a lake called Pete's Hole. And we had planned on spending the, the whole week up there and just, you know, camping, fishing, just relaxing. And it was just the two of us, which was amazing because I've talked about Grandpa Tony. You can go back to my episode on him. That was one of the first 10 episodes, somewhere in that range. I don't have that right in front of me. But it was great. And, um, you know, we were about two or three days in, and uh, it just poured raining one night. I mean, just literally poured and poured and poured. And um, the center of our tent must have had a little hole or something. Groundwater seeped up in and got a little bit of wet in the tent. But Man, that was so much fun. Just really, really enjoying it. So, but we went out to do something and we needed to take the truck to do it and the truck wouldn't start. So we had uh, a dead, a dead battery for whatever reason. And so, um, we were struggling. We had no clue what we were going to do. I mean, we were way up in the mountains and there were not a lot of people, up in this area and so you know we were walking around trying to find other people camping because this is not a campground you know you're just camping wherever you find a spot basically and eventually we got lucky and found somebody that had a battery charger and a generator with them so you know we charged or we did a jump on the jump from their vehicle to ours and the battery started but pretty soon the vehicle died which meant we had other problems going on and so um we decided that was going to be the end of our trip. And so we packed up everything and then we let the battery sit on the battery charger for as absolutely as long as we could. So we get ready to leave and you got to understand my grandpa, as soon as I could uh, see over the steering wheel, I don't think he ever um, drove anywhere with me ever again. It was always about me drawing. I and mean, we lived in a very, very small town. And so it's not like I was driving on freeways or anything like that, but we're up on top of this mountain and his words to me were, get us off the mountain before the battery dies. Okay. These are not paved roads. These are dirt roads. They're, they're sharp cutbacks. They're steep. 
and there was one part which was called the dugout or the dugway that was very very steep and all washboardy and you would jump all over the place and he's like we got to get off of here fast and so that was super super scary but uh you know just another one of those stories i still remember this kind of stuff just crystal clear and i remember we actually made it back to the town at the bottom of the mountain which is where my uncle lived and got in front of there and once we turned off the vehicle wouldn't start again so yeah you had to get the alternator and battery and whatever else checked and done with that but these are the kind of stories that just kept me going back and and camping and camping and camping and camping now the last story i'll share this is uh from my wife and i's anniversary a few years ago we actually went to twin falls idaho and this is the one of the few times that we've gone on a camping trip where we went to a destination with the intent of actually exploring the area around it so Twin Falls is great. There used to be two falls. Now it's just one. They put a dam there, and so it's just a single fall. But um, but there's another place called uh, Shoshone Falls, which is just fantastic. And so we stayed in a campground that was actually in Twin Falls itself, so it wasn't out in the mountains or anything like that, and drove around, and we got to see the mound that Evil Knievel jumped off of to try and jump over the Snake River there and uh, didn't make it, um, his parachute came out early and got to watch people bungee jump off of the bridge there and or uh, not bungee jump but uh um anyway jump off with the parachutes i can't remember what it's called right now but anyway so that was one of the few times we went out there so if that's the kind of stuff that you're into and you want to go destination camping because you want to explore an area it's great because basically you're going to take your house with you right you could go stay at a hotel and take all your clothes and all that kind of stuff and that's fine if you want to eat out at restaurants and do all of those kinds of things. But for us, we'd much rather, you know, have a stove and be able to cook for ourselves when we want to. We still ate at a couple of restaurants while we were there, but to be able to go out and explore the area. So, all right. So that's just a few of my camping stories. I could talk and go on and on and on forever, but we're over 45 minutes. So I think that's good. And like I said, if you want to hear more camping content, let me know. Um, it's something I've been thinking a lot about. It's certainly something I'm passionate about, but if you want to hear more about it, please give me some feedback, like the podcast, share it with others, or like I said, use the feedback form or email contact at mountainebowconsulting.com and let me know. All right. Thanks for joining me today.